The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Tables, Alleys and Chairs Here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast As always, I am your host, Alleys And I am coming to you live from my back garden Uh, It's quite a nice day today, so I thought I'd do the intro outside Uh, As you know, the UK not blessed for many sunny days that's why we are all a bunch of pasty-looking fuckers. Uh, but yeah, nice day, so I thought, fuck it. Go into the back garden, catch a few rays, do the podcast outside, Bob's your uncle. Uh, on today's show, the main part of the show will be dominated by an interview that I did with a British wrestling heavyweight legend, Rampage Brown. Uh, he's a guy not known for giving out many interviews, so very, very grateful for the opportunity to uh, talk to Rampage. We'll get into his uh, long and illustrious 20-year career in the UK scene, his uh, tryouts. Uh, He was at FCW back when they were the uh, WWE Development Centre. He also had a match on the old ECW, and by old I mean the new, the one that was WWECW, if you will. Uh, also be talking about the many numerous championships that he's won over here in the UK. A big pivotal part of promotions like NGW, Progress, ICW, PCW. Speaking of which, he'll also be giving the uh, full scoop on a very infamous incident he had where he uh, he shot on Josh Bowden and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't very pretty. Before we get into that, I thought I'd tell you very briefly about my week of wrestling since last time we spoke. Uh, I've been to three shows. Uh, Pretty pretty busy week for me. Uh, Started off at Breed Pro Wrestling, uh, which was in Sheffield. Short 20-minute journey from my home. Uh, It was like a trainee show. They had a mixture of young, up-and-coming talent against more established guys. Uh, Probably the pick of the bunch of the matches there. Uh, young Joe Nelson, 17-year-old, high flyer, uh, bags of potential, and uh, he was defending his new breed championship against the OJMO, another young, bit older than Joe Nelson, but young up-and-come himself. Uh, absolutely fantastic match. Uh, Joe is the new breed champion, uh, which is basically a title that's for anybody under the age of 24. Uh, it's to showcase younger talent here in the UK. And uh, Joe and the OJMO, they had an absolutely fantastic match. Uh, OJMO, usually a good guy, but with him being based in London, deciding to heal it up. Uh, a great match, real fast pace, back and forth. Uh, Joe Nelson coming away with the victory, retaining his title. Uh, speaking of Joe Nelson... Was uh, up at Leeds on the Friday night for Tidal Championship Wrestling. Uh, Another small local promotion that really do 
deliver the goods when it comes to wrestling. I've never seen Tidal have a bad show. And this was no exception. Uh, another great card. Top to bottom, there was a, a tag team match between uh, Crown of Forms, the, the heel stable uh, in Tidal, uh, taking on the Lion Kings. And, yeah, it, it, it kind of broke down into a, a mixture of pool inflatables being used as weapons. Uh, there was one stage where the pool got filled full of uh, drawing pins or thumbtacks to you Americans and uh, yeah somebody uh, ate a Death Valley driver into a pool full of thumbtacks uh, yowie wowie indeed looked uh, quite painful to say the least uh, the main event of that match saw Chuck Mambo uh, defend his title championship wrestling title uh, in a four way match against H.C. Drake, Brady Phillips. It was supposed to be Sean Custom, uh, Sean Custom, Sean Only rather, filling up the uh, four-man. Unfortunately, Sean Only got injured uh, at a previous show earlier on in the week, and uh, he was replaced by no one other than Joe Nelson, who pulled off an absolute shock victory to claim his second title in a week. Uh, Joe Nelson, the new title championship wrestling champion. I'll confess, I'm a pretty smarky bastard. I mean, come on, I've got a podcast. Um, and when you get somebody replacing somebody at last minute in a title match, he's probably the last person that, you know, you think is going to pull off the victory. So when the three count went down, it's, it's a small room that Tidal hold their events in. Only holds about 100, 150. It actually takes place in a vegan cafe, of, of all places. Um, Tidal have had some very, very strange venues down the years. Uh, they were originally uh, in a, a, a rock venue. Uh, then they got moved to a, a university bar. Uh, they got thrown out of there because I think... Uh, some wrestlers went a little bit over the top when it came to a hardcore match and uh, ended up smashing a few glasses. Uh, they worked at the O2 uh, Academy in Leeds, which, truth be known, the venue was probably a little bit too big for them. Uh, then went to an old converted church, which was an absolutely beautiful building. Uh, the only drawback was in the winter, it was absolutely freezing. It really was just... oh awful and uh, I can remember one of the last shows that they ran there there was no electric that day so you had literally they were playing the wrestlers theme tunes for a boombox and uh, the main event was Rampage Brown versus none other than Jeff Cobb two huge hosses two big beefy men and they were virtually wrestling in a pitch darkness with there being no electric and them going on last it was about 8 o'clock in the winter. It was nearly wrestled in complete darkness. I can remember people in the audience switching their phones on, uh, putting the lights on their phones to try and add a bit of light. But, uh, yeah, two big guys like Rampage and Jeff Cobb wrestling in uh, them kind of conditions. Probably not the best. Anyway, I've witted on. I've uh, got off point, as I usually do. Uh, Joe Nelson picking up a huge shock victory and uh, the roof absolutely blown off the Temple of Boom. 
incredible scenes. Um, Joan Elson, again, he's, he's a 17-year-old kid. He's been wrestling for a few years now. I think a couple of years ago, he was dubbed as the UK's youngest wrestler at 15. Like, active anyway, on the circuit. Um, yeah, Joe Nelson, you guys, you got to search him out. This guy's going to be absolutely huge in a few years. Uh, Sunday, I went down to London. Uh, I took in Progress's latest show. Uh, it was good. Really, really good stuff. Um, a lot of the guys that are in uh, September's natural progression were there. Uh, the OJMO, who uh, I spoke about before at Breed. Uh, he was there tagging none other with David Starr. And uh, he took on Walter and Shigahiro Irie from DDT. Uh, I've got to say that uh, the OJMO really did just knock it out of the park. He was absolutely outstanding. He's not the biggest of guys, but he went toe-to-toe with Walter. Showed no fear. And uh, it was uh, David Starr and the OJMO picking up the win. A bit of momentum going into September's Natural Progression Series. Another guy in the Natural Progression Series is Dan Maloney. Uh, Had a cup of coffee there for a while in NXT UK. Got released. He looks more focused. He looks more fitter, more sharper than ever before. And uh, he was tagging with Trent Seven as they took on LAX. And uh, that was an absolutely fantastic match. Uh, LAX coming out with the victory, but uh, Dan Maloney doing himself no harm with an absolutely stupendous performance. Uh, The main event, it saw Aussie Open taking on the South Pacific Power Trip. Uh, That's the team of Travis Banks and TK Cooper. Uh, Aussie Open retaining their titles in a very well-fought even contest. Uh, speaking of progress, there was only one little bad uh, blot on the copybook, and uh, that was nothing to do with any of the wrestlers. And uh, that takes me actually quite nicely onto this week's Wanker of the Week. Oh, wanker, 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 wanker! This week's Wanker of the Week goes to a very, very small but very vocal set of fans in the electric ballroom at Progress Wrestling. Now, I'm not one of these guys that doesn't mind chanting. I love a chant. It's what we do in the UK when we go to wrestling. It's part of that football culture. We like to sing songs. We like to chant. We like to drink. We like to make a bit of noise. But there was a few people in attendance that took it too far. Um, I'm not going to name names, mainly because I don't know who they were, but uh, there was a couple sat in the corner near me and they just chanted and chatted shit all show and it got progressively worse. I mean, there was one bit where uh, Flash Morgan Webster, he was saying that he had a legitimate injury, he had to go for an MRI scan, he didn't know if he'd be back or not. And... All the way through it. Oh, you shit. Oh, you shit. Oh, get out of the ring. Them titles aren't yours. I mean, this guy, like, Flash Morgan Webster's genuinely injured. This isn't a work. This isn't part of the show. You know, the, the guys had previous shoulder issues before. For all we know, that could have been the last time that Flash Morgan Webster was in a progress ring. 
I mean, I hope that the injury isn't that serious. We don't know. But it's a reoccurring injury, and you never know. It, even the most innocuous injuries, you, you've got to be careful with. And these two idiots sat in the corner. It was a man and it was a woman. They just, they were chanting shit all the way through. During the main event as well, it was TK Cooper and Travis Banks versus the um, Aussie Open. Earlier on in the show, Niwa, also a member of the South Pacific Power Trip, he had a match and TK Cooper came out wearing a hat. He got shit chanting about his hat. That's fair enough. Later on, he's out for the match. TK, where's your hat? TK, your hat shit. TK, you prick. Where's your fucking hat? He's wrestling. Why would he be wearing his fucking hat? Shut the fuck up. Jesus. They were the, those two obnoxious, drunken wankers I've ever had the mispleasure of being at a wrestling event with. Guys, just, you know, chant, cheer, boo the heels, cheer the faces, but don't do shit to get yourself over. It's disrespectful to the guys that are in the ring, risking their bodies for your entertainment. So yeah, you two guys at Progress... You're this week's Wankers of the Week. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Rampage Brown. Yo, this is the independent David Starr, and you're listening to Tables, Athers, and Chairs. Yo, this is Haskins, and you're listening to Tables, Athers, and Chairs. What's up, guys? This is the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Tables, Athers, and Chairs. I'm Sammy Callahan, and you are listening to Tables, Athers, and Chairs on the HTM Network. Today's episode of Tables, Athers, and Chairs got somewhat of a uh, British wrestling legend with us. One of the uh, best heavyweights this country's produced. It is Rampage Brown. Rampage, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I, uh, thanks for the thanks for the the leading. That was a hell of a leading. But uh, yeah. Want to uh, start off? Uh, where did you first become infatuated with uh, wrestling? What got you into it as a kid? Uh, pff, uh, I think it was about six or seven, six or seven years old, and uh, I just um, I randomly saw some. I can't remember to be honest with you these days. It's yeah, I just, I just came I came across. I think it was sticker books at first. I think it was some sticker books, but like sticker books, and I'd seen some kind of reconstruction of some random fight thing the fight scene and it, like everyone was wearing like re- Mexican wrestling masks and stuff so I remember seeing that and then just kind of like already making the association that that was wrestling even though I'd never seen wrestling before then uh, then I uh, yeah then shortly after that I came across the sticker books like you know Mr. Perfect Undertaker and all that kind of stuff and then uh, oh jeez I don't know I think I might have been staying at one of my friend's houses or something he had like a like a wrestling cassette or he just rented a wrestling cassette or something like that I think it was like SummerSlam 98 80, 80, 88 sorry I'm dating myself now uh, SummerSlam 88 and uh, yeah that was it that was the beginning of the end <laughs> uh, did you watch it as a kid then and if you did were you more of a WWF guy or WCW yeah no I uh, yeah watched it as a kid yeah uh, uh, as soon as I saw that I was consumed by wrestling to be honest um, yeah, so it was WWF all the way. We never, for some reason, never got WCW. Um, later on, um, I saw like 
stuff on Euros, like different kind of wrestling, Japanese wrestling on Eurosport and stuff. And that was, uh, so it was between like WWE, WWF and like old 90s stuff, 80s, 90s stuff. And then, uh, and then like a little bit of uh, Japanese stuff that I came across in Eurosport, really. Me and you, around about the similar age, what characters were you into growing up? Oh, jeez, uh, Bulldogs, British Bulldogs, obviously. Uh, Ricky Steamboat, Mr. Perfect. Um, yeah, they were definitely, for me, the, uh, I don't know, I like the athletic kind of workers, the, the athletic guys. Um, I was never a Hogan fan or anything like that. I liked, I liked the Ultimate Warrior, obviously, just because he was, he was insane off the wall. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, just I like the athletic, super junior kind of style, you know, like constant movement. Bret Hart was, again, he was like real up there for me. I love Bret Hart, so. Um, when was it that you decided that you uh, wanted to give wrestling a try? So I, uh, so I went off wrestling for a little while um, and proper got in my football and that was, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a go and I was playing for a few teams and um, a couple of my coaches was like, yeah, you know, like, you know, you'd, you'd be a sure thing. If you try it out and things like that, you'd be a sure thing to at least get something, hopefully. It probably wasn't, but like maybe they just bamming me up, I don't know. But, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you're willing to believe it, right? So, um, yeah, I ended up, and then I just started kind of, I can't remember what it was. I think my cousin was staying at mine one day and he, was, he, was, he started uh, talking about wrestling again. I was like, ah, whatever. And then uh, I think I'd only stopped watching for about 18 months or so. And then uh, and he was telling me about all this kind of stuff. And I think it was about 98, something like that. And then I uh, started getting back into it again. And then by the time I got to like 99, I was just finishing off my GCSEs and I'd really fallen back in love with it again. I remember doing one of my, my last GCSEs and I'm thinking, well, Sorry to swear here, but I, I was thinking this ain't worth a shit. This like <laughs> I ain't going nowhere with, it, with these with these uh, with these results. So um, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a go. You know what I mean? Because I felt at that point in my life like the world's my oyster. Like I was I was about to I, I could I was free to whatever I wanted with my life. You know what I mean? It was my my choice. So yeah, I just thought I'd uh, somewhere somehow. And again, you don't have like nowadays you have like wrestling on every street corner. Do you know what I mean? But like where, like back in like. Yeah, like mid ninety nine, end of end of ninety nine. There was there was, there was nothing. So um, so uh, yeah, I, that, that was that for me. I'm gonna give it a go. You know what I mean? I thought I was still young enough to try it at a young age. You know, but yeah. Why did he go to train? So I started off at a place in Stoke called uh, G, uh, geez, GBH. It was it was called um, very uh, aptly named, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I um, they didn't have a ring or anything. It was a blue mat, so like I travel all the way down there and uh, wrestle on the blue mats, and like it was just basic bog standard stuff. It was it wasn't it wasn't good. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, it was, I say sorry, it wasn't good. I mean, like it was like it was what it was. Do you know what I mean? Especially at that stage, because like the scene was terrible. Like the scene was terrible back in them days. Apart from like All Star and things like that, where like you had seasoned veterans and things, but like independently, it was it was the rings were poor, the shows were poor. Um, just watch if you go back on YouTube now, you can see these. Uh, they just uploaded a bunch of old like uh, FWA from the beginning, um, but not the FWA things. There was a, there was a, the same person that's uploaded that kind of stuff has put this UWA wrestling rampage fucking ad shows, whatever it is. And this was from like '99 going in. And if you watch them back now, I just watched them recently. They just came up on that. I was like, somebody told me about them, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll watch one. And uh, yeah, just it was just car crash TV. I just couldn't stop watching. It's terrible, terrible stuff. But uh, so you can see, watching that stuff back, you can see what the state that the 
the, the scene was in, you know. But um, yeah, so I yeah, I just yeah. What was the question again? Sorry, too many jobs. Where was it that you trained? And uh, who, who were your trainers as well? So, so I trained with Chris Curtis originally, but he wasn't very hands-on, to be honest with you. But like the guys who he was was very hands-on was like um, uh, Mikey Whiplash was one of the guys that started there, and uh, Robbie Dine and Mike and uh, Dean Allmark. Um, so like to be honest with you, as soon as I got there, I kind of hit it off with them straight away, and we all kind of uh, they helped me a lot, you know, coming up, coming in. Um, but then they all went off to All Star, got themselves um, like jobs with All Star and things like that. And I was like, well, like, like that's where I want, that's where I need to be. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to do anything else other than wrestle. Like wrestling was just my, and to my detriment, downfall. Uh, all I wanted to be was a wrestler. Since seven years old, that's all I ever wanted really, apart from that little element of time. And I thought I was going to be football, going to play football. But who, what young lad doesn't? It, you know. Um, so yeah. So but but the one two thing that's always gone through my life is being a wrestler so um and i can't explain it and i can't explain it to this day <laughs> i wish i could do because then I'd at least i'd be able to find a way to get off the ride but uh but unfortunately not i'm still going but um but yeah no i um i started with them they helped me a lot they got to all star i was like right that's where i need to be because it's working every night it's getting better it's where you know and uh yeah and eventually i uh, got in touch with them they put me in touch with uh, jeff k who was in leeds um, they took me on, took, did a couple of shows with me, things like that. And then they, um, uh, I went to Jeff, Jeff Kay and Drew McDonald, who had the school here together. And then uh, Drew took me under his wing, Jeff took me under his wing. And then, uh, but literally, I think I only trained with them a couple of times. And then for then on, it was Drew just took me under his wing and then just went on the road. And uh, that was me. I was learning on the road, learning on the go as a kid. So that was, uh, yeah. Is out of control from then on. I just <laughs> just got led into it. <laughs> Do you remember your debut match and uh, how far was it from when you initially started training? So I remember my, my debut battle royal. That was that was one experience because um, like right the, the uh, for the first half of the show I was the sound guy. I was putting playing everybody's music coming in the ring, and I'd never done anything like that before. You know what I mean? I was freaking like seventeen years old. I'd never been. Don't leave me with things like this, like <laughs> things that can go wrong in front of people. Like I, I don't. Um, so yeah, so um, I did that. Then I remember uh, in the interval rushing backstage, and there was a change room, probably for like there's probably about 15 lads, and it was probably about as big as this little corner here that we're in, you know. And um, yeah, just terrified, completely terrified. But then I went in there, I got in there, and I just felt at home. As you know what I mean, like it was just natural. And uh, then my very first, like, big kind of, like, it was, a, it was a tag team match. And I remember it was at Leeds Town Hall. And, um, yeah, I just remember being petrified. I think, I can't do this. I actually thought, ah, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to run off. I can't do this. And people have done that before and shows that I've been on, like, ever since then. I've seen that happen. I'm like, shit, I was there once. But, uh, but again, like, once you just, like, ah, I've just got to do it and push yourself out there. And, you, and uh, yeah, it just kind of came together, I guess. But, uh, yeah, oh, just... Petrified, completely petrified. Just yeah. You mentioned earlier on they had to do uh, a fair bit of travelling to get to uh, where you trained. Mm. Uh, do you think that wrestlers now have it a little bit too easy because there's lots of wrestling schools up and down the length and breadth of the country? I do. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't think. I don't think too easy is the kind of the, the word. But I think. I think it's a lot more choice. Yeah, they've got loads more choice. We're, you know, like, but the, but I find I find the problem is, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of crap out there. Obviously, um, there is going to be with anything like this, but um, I just think people take it for granted now, and that's the, that. I think that's the negative thing. People take it for granted now, so they don't they don't appreciate things. When people can, you know, you get the first match, for instance, it's like, you know, it's easy to come by these days, you know, um, and and you know, for me, it was a hard slog. You know what I mean? It was almost like an impossible feat at one point. Like there was no, there was no like light at the end of the tunnel at all. You know, um, especially in the, them first few years, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But anything was gonna. Um, I never wanted to buy new wrestling gear because I was like, well, I might never wrestle again after this one. Do you know what I mean? Like that was literally how um, slim pickings, the, the, you know, there was around about that time. So like. Yes, now it's everybody's. There's, there's wrestling shows everywhere. There's you know, so there's places for people to work everywhere. Um, you know, places for people to train everywhere. Um, places have got rings these days, whereas then, like I say, years ago they didn't have rings. It was just blue mats, like a gym mat, you know. Um, but um, yeah, it is. It's good, but again, I just think the wrong people kind of take it for granted, but the right people take advantage of it, and then you know they're the ones that go off and do other things and. You know, eventually those people that don't appreciate it kind of fall off. So, speaking of training, uh, you're a trainer yourself up at NGW. Uh, how are you enjoying that? Yeah, I, um, at first I, it wasn't something I really wanted. I didn't think I was because I think I'd been wrestling at that point maybe 15 years or so, probably 14, 15 years or so. Uh, WWE developmental, all that kind of stuff. So, like, I was trained by year pretty much with, with WWE. So, um, you know, I had that, you know, I learned a lot with them. Um, but obviously, I'd learned a lot of, you know, I had my own experiences of wrestling like 200 to 250 matches a year or whatever it was, um, you know, since I've been 19 years old, since I've been a kid. So, um, so yeah, and I, never, I never really, because I always looked at guys like Robbie Brookside and stuff, I thought these should be the guys teaching people. You know, Drew McDonald should be the guys teaching people. But uh, then it got to the stage where I was like, well, you know, the opportunity came up and I thought, you know, it'll be, I get to stay home more and, you know what I mean, I could, you know, earn money in different ways and stuff like that. I not have to take as many bumps, I'm not getting any younger. But, um, yeah, so then when I finally came round to it, got into it, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it, you know, like just getting there and sometimes, like, I learn stuff myself. I would just remind myself, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> So it's good for me as well as it is for you know anybody else, I guess. If anybody else thinks it's a good thing, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, um, I love it. To be honest with you, it's really, I really become. Uh, I've really took a lot of pride in it. To be honest, in the last the last few years, especially, especially like when you're getting people that are, that are starting to get recognised on the scene, or starting to get opportunities and things like that. It's good to. It's a good feeling, do you know what I mean? To again just give, and I think as a trainer, what I'm giving is my experience. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody can say, like just say you do a headlock and everyone's got their own like different ways of doing a side headlock kick or taking an arm or whatever else but I think the most important thing is find a trainer that has an experience bad and good well mostly bad but good <laughs> well that's where you learn isn't it you know? uh, NGW is one of these organisations that seems to get uh, overlooked quite often in the British wrestling scene um, which is weird really because when, when you look at the big Hull City Hall shows they, they regularly draw over a thousand uh, you've been a two-time champion there. For those that haven't seen NGW, what would you uh, describe the vibe as? Furthermore, it's it's well, it's a family show. It's a family entertainment. You know, um, it's not, but it's not like family entertainment like Easy and Hokey and clapping hands and all that kind of stuff. Like the all-star stuff is perceived to be. You know, 
Um, it's a holiday camp wrestling. It's nothing like that. Um, it's you know, it's a sportsy entertainment kind of you know company. You can take the kids. You know, you can take the family. Um, whereas in I think the places that do get spoke about the most is obviously um, you know the over eighteen shows and the hard hitting stuff and the spot fest stuff and all that kind of stuff. So I think that that gets more of a you know a precedent whatever um, than than like a family show that people are kind of like, oh, you know, it's passe, you know, whatever kind of wrestling, but it's, uh, everyone works their ass off. Um, we come out there with some great reactions, some great shows, like, I thoroughly enjoy it, thoroughly enjoy it, like, um, I always have done, to be honest with you. They've invested a lot in me since I came back um, to England, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've nothing but good things to say about the company and just, just the shows in general, yeah. It's a lot of fun, more than anything. It's just nice, old-style wrestling fun, you know. Uh, another place that I think you've got a lot of love at is a PCW up in Preston. Uh, he used to be uh, in a tag team with, I think it was Bubblegum and T-Bone, uh, team single. Uh, won the tag team championships over that place. How do you enjoy working at PCW? Yeah, no, I, I loved it. Like, looking back on my time there, sometimes at the time it was a bit of a slog, you know what I mean? Like, there was, there was a lot expected of you and there was a, a lot of pressure put on you, you know. Uh, this is what we want here deal with it and then you kind of got to make the best of a situation um but it was a, it was a great platform um great experience great fun because obviously being with t-bone a friend of mine bubblegum friend of mine um going out to the ring and enjoying that with them is, is is always a pleasure um but again you know even the boys in the back and everything like that like all the team was just such a good solid team of friends that um you know when when you know guys like matt hardy and Rhino and, and the Steiners and stuff that came in, you know, and then they wanted to work as well. They wanted to do, they wanted to, you know, instead of just kind of fobbing it off and, you know, just getting paid and then going home, whatever, right? Um, so it was it was a good dynamic and it was different as well because, well, I say it was different. It was, you know, you had the one PW thing where they brought in a lot of uh, um, Americans and things like that against the British guys, but like it was different in the sense that like it actually worked for a while. Uh, yeah, because there was a time where, uh Evoke was absolutely heaving, and it was uh, oh, yeah. the number one place where all the imports would go. People like you say, like your Hardys, your Kevin Steens. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Everybody was there. Like I remember, yeah, there was people right all the way back to the to the wall at the back of the freaking building. Do you know what I mean? And it's just a big sea of people, which is bizarre when you think about it, because it's not a, it's not a huge place, but also you know you could fit in over a thousand people in there, wherever it was, and yeah, it was like shit, like it's just a big sea of people, but. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, I think we had the belts for like three years. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a hell of a ride. A lot of fun. A lot of hard matches too. Speaking of hard matches, uh, August 2015, Team Single versus, I believe it was the Brilievers. Uh, there was a little incident with you and Josh Bowden. Do you uh, care to comment on that? Uh, so, so like... Josh had made a bit of a reputation for himself amongst the boys and stuff. Um, and long story short, he uh, isolated himself a lot and took liberties with a lot of other people, like people he was in, like smaller kids that he was in the ring with. Um, he said a lot of choice things that aggravated a lot of people about um, about uh, a lot of our closer friends like Chris Chavez when he was going through his battle um, with cancer. And uh, he made a lot of uh, distasteful remarks, um, just in general. And he just had a really stinking attitude. 
So then when uh, he got, they got, they came to PCW and whatever else, all of a sudden they wanted me and T-Bone because it's our jobs, right? I would, you know, to go in there and uh, make them look good in front of a place that we'd worked our ass off to make a name for, right? Not just us, but everybody had done, you know, like all the people that was the mainstays of the company. So again, you know, you're coming in, you're disrespecting all the boys, you're disrespecting friends of mine, like friggin', you know, I'm not going to certain, you know, stories, but like um, you're taking liberties with certain people. And, uh, and I'd seen that and I'd, uh, I didn't like it. But um, then when we got to the show, he'd said a few things about me and we got to the show, um, all of a sudden he was wanting me to do all his, take all his moves and make them look good and stuff, right? So um, then when we, was, uh, when we was talking, when we was kind of like, I guess, getting ready to go into the ring before the show, um, yeah, he just, uh, he just had a stinking attitude. So I, uh, I decided to teach him a lesson that I need you as much as you need me. And if you're not gonna cooperate with us, if you're not gonna treat the boys with respect, then I'm not gonna treat you with respect. And I'm not gonna go out there and put my body on the line for you to look good when you can't do the same for us. And when you do, when, people, when other people have done these things and put themselves in your hands and trusted you, you took liberties with them. So this is what that feels like. And um, he knew that was coming. He knew it was coming. Um, so. It is what it is. We've all had, we've all had our fingers wrapped for being, you know, um, stupid and young and, and, and whatever else. He did take it up to far. But uh, he, he, you know, yeah, it's just one of those experiences. It's just one of those things, to be honest with you. It happens and uh, whether it's unprofessional or not, it's, you know, I've seen a lot of unprofessional inside of him in the last years building to that. So, um, yeah, I don't regret it. You know, I mean, I guess afterwards he came and he apologized and got, I got my point across, he got his point across, I got my point across. And um, he explained his actions a little bit and whatever else. And we left after that. Um, okay, you know, thank you. And, you know, hopefully just, you know. I, the thing is as well, that is one thing I did say to him, I said, you go and do this in Japan, it's going to be 10 times worse. Look at Dirt Bike Kid. Do you know what I mean? Um, whatever situation there was, but it's going to be 10 times worse. And I know that's where you want to be going. So I'm, I'm saying, rein it in now, and then that will happen there. But I mean, I don't know what happened when he went to Japan, so I don't know. He spent some time at uh, FCW, yeah. which was uh, the WWE's developmental system before it became NXT. Uh, how was that as an experience overall? Overall, it was a good experience, a life experience, you know, um, foreign country. Um, yeah, just um, been in a an environment that you just feel like you know, an overwhelming environment, but then trying to learn how to uh, get your head above water and swim with the sharks almost, you know? So that, that was definitely uh, a good experience in that way. But um, yeah, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot from a lot of great wrestlers like Ricky Steamboat, always took, uh, took me under his wing and took time with me and stuff um, and, and helped me with just so many little things, Regal as well. Um, was always helping me with stuff um but yeah just it was a good experience but it was just it just yeah it just wasn't really for me was, uh, you're still on the network anyway oh, yeah. ecw <laughs> yeah so that was like 2008 so about two years before i got started. all right okay yeah uh that was just uh um was that when they were over in the uk 
Yes, Manchester Evening News Arena. Yeah, um, it's mad because like literally, I think about two and a half hours after that match, I was in a field walking my dog. <laughs> um, I just got home. I got home. Kind of, I was like, what the fuck is that? And my dog took out for a while. I'm just standing in the middle of the field. It's 12, one o'clock in the morning, whatever. Just walk my dog, thinking, what the hell just happened? <laughs> you know what I mean, I was just in Manchester, you know, Evening News Arena, in front of 20,000 people, like in. It's like kind of like been on the Friends set because you see the ring, you see yeah. the crowd, and you see hard camp set up the same thing. Um, Hall of Famer as well, Mark yeah, Henry. Mark, well, that was another the, the next the next thing was yeah, like you know you've been in the ring with and, and again when he was grabbing me and stuff, it was like whoa, this is a different <laughs> level of like strength. You know what I mean? It's a different level of human being as well. You know, um, big wake up call, and it was uh, again another element experience just to stand there, and, you know, see the crowd and just kind of. And then his music come on, I'm like, oh shit, what am I doing? <laughs> Another place uh, that I'd say that you're very popular in is uh, Progress. Uh, former Progress champion and the first ever Atlas champion. Uh, I can remember when you went away from Progress for a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you were away for something like 16, 18 months. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was a show in Sheffield. And you got an absolute monster pop when yeah. your music hit. How did that feel? Uh, just overwhelming. It blew me away. Like I didn't. Like I don't think. Yeah, I think that's the loudest I've ever heard. Um, would that be the equivalent of the Road Warrior pop? I don't know. <laughs> that we hear so much about the rampage. <laughs> the rampage. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. No. I mean, like I, I couldn't believe it. It was one of those. Like I was getting ready to go out, and there was a, a friend of mine, um, uh, Screwface Jamie Ahmed. He'd come along. He was backstage with us. You're standing there, and then um, the music came on, and then the guy erupting, and it was getting louder and louder and louder. And I was just like, I'm thinking, do they think it's somebody else? Like, in my head, I'm thinking, they, they, I, I hope they, like, I'm going to disappoint them as soon as I walk out, but he just kept going on and shit. And then, then I got to the ring, and I nearly fell off the ropes. Um, <laughs> but uh, for the first time in all the times I've ever gone on the ropes, uh, yeah, I nearly fell off. Um, but it had to be that one, didn't it? But uh, yeah, no, it was. Uh, bizarre experience but again you know a very warm and experienced and all the people and to be honest with you deep down I think it's the music that did it it wasn't me it was a, it was a song but uh, I think that was the only reason anybody popped for that was because of the music but uh, but uh, yeah no it was, it was uh, again something that I'll take away um, forever and I'll, I'll always have that memory you know how did you enjoy uh, the Atlas division because that was like in wrestling in the UK, it is primarily smaller lads. Whereas I imagine that big lads wrestling, as it was dubbed, yeah. it's certainly your wheelhouse. You had uh, some good battles with some big lads there. How did you enjoy it? Yeah, um, it was funny because like for all these years, I've been you need to get bigger, you need to get bigger. So like, and then when I got to like WWE, oh you're too small. And I come back and I'm too big again. And, and no one's interested in bigger guys are interested in this and stuff, right? But uh, like guys like myself and, and, and uh, I think Mastiff and, uh, and um, you know, uh, T-Bone and, and, and guys. Um, I think Yastin Reese was in it. Yastin Reese, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think- can, I can remember you wrestling. It was, it was a very short match, but it was possibly one of the best chapter matches I'd seen up to that point. Uh, I believe somebody was injured and Trent Seven took their place. Oh, yeah, me and Trent, yeah, yeah. I th- it was literally just like a five-minute match where you just knocked seven bells out of each other. I remember that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's when we started kind of getting some steam about, like, oh, you know what, big guys can actually be entertaining, I guess. 
Um, but then when he came up with the belt and the idea of it and stuff, and it was like the hard hitting all Japan style of, uh, you know, of, of yesteryear that the, that that division was kind of built on. Um, you know, again, it just builds, it just brings a different element to the show, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it gives guys like like myself um, an identity there as well. And uh, to be the first champion, like I, I took a lot of pride in it, to be honest with you, and still do to this day. Um, that I was the first one, and I took a lot of pride in that belt in that division itself. Um, it's a shame that it came to what it did, to be honest with you. Um, I think they just run out of big lads. Yeah, well, there's plenty out there. There's plenty still out there, but uh, it just... But Well, that's that's well, that's well, sad, isn't it? You know what I mean? If that is the case. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's a shame that it kind of... I mean, there was comedy matches towards the end, wasn't there? I don't know. Was it? I think I saw I'm not too sure. Um, but anyway, I digress. I've been an old grumpy bastard now. But uh, but yeah, so it's just a shame that it fizzled out, really, because, I mean, why? Did you enjoy Brixton? Yeah, loved it. But then I got hurt really early on, could barely walk. <laughs> you could probably tell if you watch it back. Like, I, I could barely use this left, I think it was my left leg. It just went on me completely uh, after a, a, a stupid move. Um, which I'll never do again. But uh, yeah, it, it uh, and yeah, and I remember just being in the ring thinking, fuck, like my body's letting me down here and there's thousands of people and I'm like, I need to step it up in one of the gear, but my body was just like, what hurt? Stop it, please. Let's just go home, man. I wanna get, I wanna, I wanna get out of here. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, uh, we got, got through it, fought through it. And uh, it, it's a shame I just, I couldn't ex uh, enjoy it as much as I wanted to do because again, like I was, uh, Myself. <laughs> what was it like being in the ring with Matt Riddle? Um, yeah, geez, like I, again, like sometimes you get in the ring with people and you'll just instantly have good chemistry with people, um, and he was one of them. I'd never, I, I'd, I'd heard of the the, the uh, UFC stuff. Um, I'd vaguely seen something about him and uh, Will having a, a match, and seeing him, and I thought like that's what the job needs more of is more legit athletes more legit guys like that and I thought you know you know it's, it's refreshing when you see these things because you know? I remember the finish of your match was more akin to the finish of a UFC match <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> yeah, it felt like one too um, yeah no I mean like I, again like he doesn't mind being hit I don't mind being hit um, he likes to hit I you know I'm do, do my job uh, do, you know I put it in too so um, yeah when you've got two guys in there that are on the same level and it's the first time we've, well, we've met like an hour before, uh, how you doing? Yeah, cool, nice one. Um, and then went in there and just uh, kicked the sh kick, beat, the, beat each other up. That's why I don't worry. <laughs> Kick the shit out of each other. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, and to be honest with you, there's no one better that I would have wanted to relinquish that belt to than the Matt Riddle. Um, definitely. Yeah. I think he loved it as much as you. He literally took it everywhere with it. I think he did, yeah, yeah. And you know what? And that was a good thing though, because I'd see that and I was like, well, you know, he's got pride in the belt, you know, and he's got pride in what it means—the hard-hitting style, the physical style. Because um, I think just as much as, a, as as it being a big guy's division, it was more of a physical, hard-hitting division. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and he represented that perfectly. Uh, I want to quickly touch on ICW. Uh, tag team POD with uh, Ashton Smith, yeah. uh, two-time champs. How do you love tagging with Ashton? 
Oh, I love talking with Ashton. Yeah, definitely, because he's a, he's a younger version of me, so he can do all the work. I think the first time I remember seeing you and Ashton was actually at the uh, World of Sport pilot episode. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah they just, um, they'd seen us. The ITV guys was a, a big wrestling fan, you know, who was putting it all together, and they'd seen me and Ashton um, tagging together at a Future Shock show against T-Bone and James Drake, I think it was. And, uh, yeah, I think that's where they kind of got the idea uh, for, for that. They, I don't know if they thought we was normally a tag team or whatever. Um, so the approach does give us the, the rundown. I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then, uh, yeah, that was a great experience, a lot of fun. Um, ICW decided to, to run with it um, and step it up a level, make it a little bit more um, us, you know, the way we kind of want to do things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been great. They've, you know, they've took us in so well. Um, and it's... Um, um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's been a good ride, a good experience, and like yeah, just them having the faith and having us, you know, um, putting us in positions that we are in, and uh, just yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm proud to be a part of the family there. To be honest with you, it's uh, it's a good place. ICW fans pretty notorious for being rowdy, uh, pretty notorious as well for being a I wouldn't say critical, but difficult to please. You know, half arse in it there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how have the ICW crowd taken to you? Well, I mean, they hate us. Are you uh, doing your job then? <laughs> we're doing our job, I suppose. Uh, whether, whether, whatever that is. But, uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's the same as anywhere, really. Um, I think once you get in the ring, you can't uh, be too cautious of, do you know what I mean? You just got to go in there and do your job. If it doesn't please some people, if it doesn't please some people, if it does, then, you know, whatever. Um, that's what you're there for, do you know what I mean? Like, not everybody's going to buy you, not everybody's going to appreciate you. But, uh, but, I mean, like, yeah, they're always, especially when we're in the garage, they're always involved. I think that's the thing with the uh, Glaswegians, with them being uh, and Scottish. Because um, my granddad's Scottish, so I, I, I know he, he was a very rough man. Um, <laughs> he, um, yeah, I, I know that they, they appreciate that physical style, they appreciate the grittiness, and they appreciate the, the edginess and stuff like that. And I think that's something that me and Ashton kind of bring a lot of. So um, I think it's a pretty decent fit, you know. Obviously, like, Dallas and stuff thought it would be, but we'd be a good fit there. So, uh, yeah. Mentioned the uh, world of sport pilot. Might as well go on to world of sport. Uh, you were the world of sport champion. It was on ITV for a bit. How was that whole world of sport experience? And do you know whether it will be coming back? Um, the experience itself, it was like uh, we, we filmed it over four days or something. Uh, it was great. That was in Norwich, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Norwich, yeah. Uh, it was great, yeah, they, they treated us really well. Um, everything was just, uh, yeah, it was just fun. It's a good team environment, like everybody was, everybody was, what you get a lot of these days in wrestling, well, not these days, but in general in wrestling, is uh, everyone's out for themselves, everyone's trying to up somebody else and stand on somebody else's back to put themselves out there and put themselves over. But uh, with that, it's like everybody wanted to succeed, because if one succeeded, we all succeeded, you know? As corny as that might sound, but it actually, you know, uh, yeah, actually for the first time in a long time, probably ever, I actually felt like this is a solid team. This is everybody wants this to work. Um, so yeah, the experience of itself was fun. It was good. Um, uh, as as it pertains to um, coming back for the, I knew it wasn't going to be like, oh, this is this, and then it's just going to be like, here's the house shows, here's this, and then this is another season, and it's just going to steamroll and become this 
juggernaut of a thing, right? Well, there was house shows, wasn't there? There was, but it was months later and, you know, it wasn't um, capitalised, like, you know, maybe the house show should have been in October instead of January. You know, um, a lot of people, people have things to do. People, you know, forget about things, you know what I mean? Like, if you're a casual wrestling fan and you, and you, oh, you start watching it and you get into it a little bit, whatever else, and then it finishes and then you just kind of forget about it and go on to something else because the football's on next week or this is coming up or you've got a wedding that you've got to get ready for or, you know what I mean, something yeah. like that. And then January comes around. If you're not looking on Twitter at wrestling, you don't know what's there. So um, I think uh, that, 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 that's a problem. That was a problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I've no idea what the plan is going forward. Um, they never tell wrestlers because we're the last to know of everything. Uh, which is, to be honest with you, probably a smart thing because Telegram, Telephone, Telewrestler, everybody knows about it. But um, yeah, um, yeah, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Uh, Want to finish with more recent things. Want to talk Defiant. It's a company that you've been in since the very beginning when it was back as a WCPW. Um, how did you first get involved with WCPW? Uh, they just approached me out of, uh, just out of nowhere. Yeah, they just approached me out of nowhere, um, and as they did with I think everybody, and they just they said that this is our vision, this is what we want. Um, who do you think we should use? Um, blah 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 blah, and um, this is the plan. And it was just a plan basically for the first couple of TV tapings. And um, can we send some of our lads down to film something with you at your training school? So I didn't really, because I, I didn't watch the War Culture videos and yeah. anything like that and, and whatever. So they turned up and I'm just like, ah, like I've got a class to teach, can we just make this fast? And we went out there and we filmed this thing and they just said, just stand there and look angry. So I was like, okay. And then um, then we did the tapings and things like that. And it was actually good. It was a good team of guys. It was a lot of fun. Uh, enjoyed it. And then from then on, it just kind of escalated and it got bigger and it got bigger. It has grown massively from when it started. It just, it just, it got ridiculous you know Milton Keynes like you know Milton Keynes um, Ice Palace wherever, wherever it was you know and you're sitting there and like the place is pretty much sold out and you've got Kurt Angle versus Cody Rhodes you know in the middle of the ring the whole World Cup thing as well the whole World Cup thing the matches that you're never going to see anywhere else you know when they was bringing in like uh, you know he was getting Will versus Rey Mysterio when are you going to see that you know um, so especially in today's climate now with AEW and things like that Exactly, exactly. So, like, at the time, it was... Uh, I think, in a way, it kind of spoiled a lot of wrestling fans, but on the same note, it was what was wanted. It was what was expected, and it was what happened. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose spoil's not the right... Well, it, it, I think it's, it's, it's difficult now having to go back a little bit because, obviously, they don't have... the You know, the, the, everyone's contracted now. So you can't pull these people in and put them in a match, you know? Um, so now it's you know it's uh, a little harder to kind of keep that going. Um, so you've got to kind of change directions and, and, and do something else. But uh, but yeah, at one point it was uh, it was uh, monumental. I think a lot of Indies are having that issue at the minute. I think it's kind of similar to football. Like you're losing your your players to end quote bigger teams and. A lot of places have got to kind of rebuild their squads. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. Um, everyone's trying to rebuild their squads. Um, and it's not easy, and I think a lot of teams have packed in. You know what I mean? A lot of teams are, are slowing down and are starting to kind of admit defeat, um, which is, is pretty, um, is pretty, 
pretty poor really you know um, especially after the last seven years or so like what everybody together had built you know promoters wrestlers and, and everybody the likes you know like they built such a great scene that was kind of getting people's attention it was getting eyes and, and uh, now it's just kind of uh, turned on its back and given up what it looks like what it feels like do you think that this is like the plateau the British scenes it was going it was coming it was coming it always goes in, in you know and I think now it's it's been uh, it's got a stranglehold on it. So I think now it's getting choked out a little bit, and I think it's gonna it's gonna fade out. Things are gonna change. Climate's gonna change. But then, a couple of years time, probably, I'll be fuck. I'll be long gone. I'll be fucking playing five side football on Sunday morning. Like by that point, I'll uh, I'll not be a part of it. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's been choked out now. I think it's about to tap. It's reaching for that bottom rope, but it's not getting. Gonna throw some names at you. I just want you to say the first thing that comes into your head. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> Nathan Cruz. Gob shite. Uh, Justin Sizem. Very nice. Heart's in the right place. Ashton Smith. One of the funniest guys. Mark Haskins. Sweetheart. Not just because he sat over my shoulder, Rory Coyle. That was a pain in the ass. That's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, oh no, he's, he's a hell of a guy. One of my best friends. Josh Bowden. Misled. Elagaro. Pest. Matt Riddle. Oh, uh, respect, nothing but. 100%. The primate. The primate. <laughs> Another pest. Walter. Walter, hell of a chop. NGW. Fun. Progress. It's got a special place for me. It's got a, I don't know how to. ICW. Again, um, my new home. Defiant. Troubled. <laughs> Last one, Rampage Brown. Just, I just want to go home. <laughs> I just want to list, just get rid of my boots and just go and chill out with a coffee. That actually leads me on to my final question. Go on. How long will fans have to see destroying fools in the ring? To be honest, and I've always said this, it just, there was never any end game. There was never like 35, I'm done, 25, I'm done, whatever. Um, it just, Something else came along, and something else came along, and something else, whatever. Um, so who knows? But the way I feel, maybe it's a year or two, and then, then I'm out. I'm gonna duck out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, and uh, yeah, all the best. Cheers, Rampage. Hey guys, Big Joe from Turnbuckle Talk here, and you are listening to Tables, Athers, and Chairs here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Big thanks to Rampage Brown for that interview. Uh, truly is an absolute British legend. That's it for this week. Um, if you want to contribute to next week's mailbag show, what you got to do is send in your questions to at 
others chairs on twitter tables others and chairs message board on facebook um don't forget to subscribe to hdm pod network uh, all the shows robin nelson podcast uh, pw hustle uh, you've got the turnbuckle talk with a uh, big joe and carl and of course hdm pod hdm wrestling with jargo and rbv that's it for me for this week i will catch you next week everybody have an awesome weekend and i'll see you soon ta Six eyes, I got a garbage brain that's driving me insane. And I don't like a ride, so push that mess to the side. And baby, I won't care, cause baby, I don't scare. Cause I'm a reborn maggot using dream warfare.